going on everybody hello again and welcome back to another episode of the watch report with me jean-luc Roth. make some noise clap it up get excited wherever you are we are back like we always do with another jam-packed episode for you to listen and watch on today as we had no you anyway early this morning i was up till four all the way five excuse me all the way till eight to watch him win the unified super bantamweight title in a master class against Stephen Coolboy Fulton as well as George Cambosos in his controversial win over Hughes over this past weekend. We're going to talk about all that on this show right here today. Thank you so, for so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching this show. And like we always say, leave a like on the video. Comment your thoughts and opinions. Subscribe to the channel and please share the channel with everybody that you know so we can build up this empire together. We are almost at 400, nearly halfway to five, uh, halfway to 1,000 subscribers. My goodness, I'm so I'm glad I reposted the Noy Anyway opinions and predictions that i had over this <laughs> in this fight upcoming oh we got a lot of traction with that thank y'all so much for, for subscribing from those videos and for listening and engaging in conversation with me in the comments oh we always love it oh yeah i'm a brother that'll, that'll bite back or excuse me talk back to you if you got something to say because oh everybody's welcome right here on this channel but with Actually, I was about to say without further ado, but with further ado, I do have an announcement to make. Like I have been saying over the past couple of months, I've been working on a big plan for the next, when well, I next installment, but 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 to bolster my career, your hopeful career. And now I am glad to announce that you are looking at the newest ESPN analyst for boxing and MMA on my own show podcast called the neutral corner hosted by me jean-luc that's right oh we made it doggone it we made it we not laugh oh no don't laugh cheer clap oh yes applaud we made it i got noticed people saw the talent people saw what i had to say and now i am officially an espn analyst talking about the world of combat sports in boxing and mma on this show is dedicated of course on this channel in particular, we talk about anything and everything. Boxing, UFC, NBA, NFL, all of that. And you ain't gonna that ain't gonna change not one bit. Best believe that. But you get dedicated coverage of the world of combat sports and boxing and UFC on the neutral corner every Wednesday, provided with from the or excuse me, with me on ESPN podcast on Spotify under ESPN seven thirty, the game. And now, hey, we're making strides. We're making moves. You still get, you won't get nothing short of dedicated greatness or at least attempted greatness as we cover the sports world on this show. Oh, you're still going to get breakdowns. You're still going to get in-depth analysis. You're still going to get opinions. You're still going to get unbiased takes. Don't get it twisted on this channel. That ain't changing at all. But we get to cover even more fights, fights that I don't get to cover on this show, and even more in-depth analysis and introspective talks on the world of combat sports, like corruption, like judging, like legacies, and more, all on the neutral corner with me, Jean-Luc Roach. So it's available on Spotify. All you got to do is search the neutral corner or even just search my name. And if the watch report don't show up, then you'll see the neutral corner with my face and a schnazzy logo yes i spent a lot of hours working on that thing <laughs> so i made to make sure it made it look good so there was a lot of turmoil but look we here we've arrived 
we starting to get a voice. Oh, man, you, if you show some support, if you show some support to both shows, brother, we can make this thing really pop off and explode. And it'll help bolster this channel as well. So please, support the show, support the podcast. Go listen to The Neutral Corner. We already got six episodes up already covering the world of combat sports over the past couple weeks. And I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed. You're still going to get the same level of energy, fervor, fire, fire, and fire condensed to 40 minutes, give or take. Yeah, And with fights that I get to cover from all across the combat sports world and you will be again well informed and always get the unbiased opinion because on the neutral corner we don't play favorites we call it like we see it just like here on the world report so please thank you so much for the support that got me to this position and helped me by supporting me so we can keep on climbing to greater heights in the world of sports media so thank y'all so much and now with that announcement out the way Without further ado, oh, let's talk, let's get into it, because it's time to step into the room. That's right. Ring the bell. Let's get started. Round one underway quickly, and I mean very quickly. We're going to talk about George Cambosos and his fight against Hughes over the past weekend. And in a fight that, let's be honest, if we were watching it, he lost. Cambosos lost that fight. Cambosos got outboxed. And Cambosos was given a win that he really did not deserve. And to be perfectly honest, this makes me really feel that, well, excuse me, let me backtrack. With Cambosos, the win against Teofimo Lopez was not a fluke. It was not. We understand that completely. We also understand what he is in terms of the upper echelon of talent. He is a top 10 lightweight, sure, but he is. 10th, most likely. And that's due to the fact that against the best of the best, outside of his one-off incredible performance that he legitimately deserved against Teofimo Lopez, he has severely underperformed against the best of the best in terms of Devin Haney. Now against his performance against Maxi Hughes, a relatively unknown cat coming up in, in his in Cambosis' comeback fight, mind you, no disrespect to Hughes. Hughes showed, hey, we need to start recognizing this brother because he actually has some talent and some legitimate boxing IQ and ability. But a relatively unknown that many people thought should have been a cakewalk and a fight to get put him back, and not only in his winning ways, but back on the road to reclaim the lightweight title or at least reclaim the spot to say, yo, I still belong in the conversation that you need to give me a shot again? This wasn't it. This wasn't it at all. And now we had this legitimate question of whether or not Cambosos is should be considered a contender still. And that answer is yes. However, he isn't a relatively great threat, but he is a threat. He can still potentially pull out a performance like he did against Tiafimo Lopez. Again, but it's more looking like more so that might have been in a perfect world that he was able to do that. And maybe that was against a TFM Lopez that wasn't what we thought. Now, again, the whole bubble chest thing and all that stuff, we get it. We didn't know that coming into the fight. We only found that out after the fight. 
That doesn't take away from the win of Cambosos. No, it does not. But there is undeniable proof that we've seen from both fighters that Teofimo Lopez has gotten better with his win against Josh Taylor and that performance, that phenomenal performance against Josh Taylor, who is considered one of the best in the world. And Cambosos' performance, not only against Devin Haney, but now against Max Hughes, shows that they have gone in opposite directions in terms of being what they are to each other as threats, not only just to beat each other, but threats to the whole division as a whole. And Cambosos now might be on the downtrend of his career. And with a performance like this, he might be on the verge of gatekeeper. Now, it's a big thing to say that somebody's a gatekeeper. That means that they've fallen completely out. And I'm not saying he's fallen completely out. Again, he's still a top 10 lightweight. However, that 10th position that he's in isn't secure in the slightest. Not in the slightest. This is a situation where Cambosos really, and I do mean really, is at a position where he is... It's, it's it's every fight from now on is now a fight for essentially security. Security of his spot to still be in contention to actually compete for the lightweight title in the future. Because right now, he can say all he wants that he won that fight. He didn't. He got outboxed. He it was he didn't, he didn't he didn't put up a bad performance, but he got beat. He got beat, and in my opinion, it, 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 it was pretty evident. Pretty evident. So because of that, even though the judges got it wrong, it should have been, yo, he's, this, this is a loss in the column. Now, people like Keyshawn Davis and others coming up, it's going to be looking like Cambosos is going to be a stepping stone for the next generation of boxers, the up-and-coming boxers. Unless he just all of a sudden evolves and changes, which can happen, but I don't think that's going to happen. Right now, it looks like he's going to be the test that people like Keyshawn and other up-and-coming lightweights are going to use to see whether they're truly at the position to be in line to say, I'm ready for the title. I'm not saying that's guaranteed, but I am saying based on this performance and on the last two performances with Devin Haney, but this is, this is, that's two losses in a row and a controversial win. That should have been a third in a row. That is an issue. Yes, I understand he lost against one of the pound-for-pound pound best in Devin Haney. But even still, utter domination at the, at the very top. Another utter domination at the very top. And now a loss against somebody. Mind you, he got to, he's 26-6 and six with five KOs, but he's he got legitimate talent. He ranked 15th in the world at lightweight. It ain't like he's just a bum out, just outright. He does have talent, but he he should have lost against this guy. No disrespect to Maxi, but it's it's but it's the expectation that Camboso says. And now, since he's been to the top of the mountain, this draws questions that need to be asked and look like they were answered in this fight. That he's no longer belonging in that championship title contention picture. Now he is a good lightweight, probably 10th, who 
is going to be used as a barometer for the next generation to say, if I can beat him, I can compete for a title. If I can't beat him, I still got some work to do. A gatekeeper. That's not bad. But it's where it's looking like Cambosos is right now. Because he did get beat, regardless of his warrior mentality. And since he got beat, even though he got the decision, don't let a decision fool you from the actual production and performance. This isn't the same. This is far from the Cambosos that we saw against Tiafimo Lopez. Far from it. And because that's the case, and he doesn't look like he's getting any better, Gatekeep is about the right thing. Could have changed? Absolutely. But as of right now, he's looking like he's falling into the gatekeeper category for the division. Who knows whether he'll be able to bounce back and truly submit himself as, yo, I'm still that guy or is still one of the guys in the division. But it's not looking good. It's not looking good for Cambosis after this. He really isn't. It's looking like anybody that is relatively in line to fight for the title within the top 10 of lightweights, he's not going to be able to beat. Even potentially 12th or 13th rank, he's not going to be able to beat. Potentially. Maybe it's over-exaggerated. Maybe it's jumping the gun. I can only go off of what we saw. What we saw was a fighter that something isn't there that used to be there before. He's getting outboxed by people that we think should be a lot more competitive, at least on his side, regardless of what we think of of his opponent. Like with Max Hughes, a guy that wasn't really known, came out and boxed his butt off and should have won. This is not a knock on the opponent because he came up and fought. Standard that Cambosos has on him now. He's very much underwhelming and underperforming to that standard. And because that's the case, we have to hold him to it. So Gatekeeper is looking like that's where he's leading to for his career going forward. Can it change? Maybe. Hopefully it will because he's an exciting fighter. But he's gotten outboxed about three times now. Outboxed. Not outfought. Outboxed. And he couldn't turn it into a fight like he wants to. This is his third time. That's a problem. That's all I can say. It's a problem. If he doesn't fix it, lower and lower and lower and lower until it's going to be, you remember when Cambosos did this? That's what it could turn into. And we could be seeing the start of the end of Cambosos' career as a whole. Not in the immediate. I'm not saying by next year he's going to be out of here. No, no. But at least this is the, we've seen this pattern before. And it gets, it, it goes down from here if history is going to repeat itself. At least that's my opinion. But now, now that we got that out of the way, going to Noah in a way versus Stephen Fulton. My goodness, you want to talk about domination of a fighter. This brother absolutely was insane in this fight. Many people thought this was going to be a close affair, myself, and at least closer than what we thought. And shoot, I called it. That's what I can say. I called it. I called it right. You dump on right. I did. I called it. I said it. 
I only got it off by one round, and I should have stuck with my first doggone prediction. I said it's going to happen in the eighth round initially, and then I said, nope, between rounds 9 and 10, 9 and 11, that's when I thought it was going to happen. I was a round off. I was one round off. Oh, boy. Dang it, I was right there. But, hey, outside of that, everything that I said that was going to happen, happened. This isn't me tooting my horn. No, because you don't know what the was going to happen in boxing. This is me touting the ability of Noya Inouye. Going up against somebody like Stephen Fulton. Fulton, first off, Fulton is not a bum. Anybody that says Fulton is a bum after this fight should be ashamed of themselves. Because these are the same people that were hyping up Fulton, saying he's incredible. I was saying he was incredible because he was incredible as a boxer. Legitimately one of the better boxers in the entirety of the sport. Man had quick, great footwork. He was legitimately bigger. All the concerns were genuinely there. His speed was an actual concern. His boxing and ring IQ was something that could be a legitimate problem for anyway coming into this fight. His ability to jab and stay on the outside was a major threat to Noya in a way and being as Noya up until this point hadn't faced somebody with the physical gifts coupled with the mental high IQ that Fulton had that's just the truth this is the best athlete that Fulton that in a way has faced in his career no doubt about it couple that with this being one of the smartest boxers that he's faced this was all a major test of whether or not the moniker of the monster legitimately was going to carry. And many people were saying that Fulton was going to win. Many people were saying that Fulton was going to dominate. Many people were saying that Inoue was a hype job. All of that was going around. And now after this performance, I don't want to hear a word from anybody disrespecting this brother. I got the fight on right now in the background because it was such a spectacular performance by Inouye. This fight was a masterclass from pillar to post. And it's because of the fact that this man, the monster Inouye, absolutely dominated in every aspect. I said that there is nothing that Fulton has that is better than Noah Inouye. That was my opinion. Look, even with all the praise that I said that Fulton had, which was actively due, none of that has changed, but I said everything that Fulton has in his arsenal, Inouye has at a higher level. There's nothing that Inouye does that, there's nothing that Fulton does, excuse me, that Inouye is not better at. See, Fulton's speed, Inouye's faster. Fulton's agility, in a way, is more agile. Fulton's jab, in a way, has got a jab just as good, if not better. Defense, no, in a way, is just as great defensively and better offensively. He can fight in the mid-range, on the outside, on the inside. There, he can cut off the ring and make it so that there's make it so that he can neutralize your ability to be slick. There was nothing that Fulton was able to do. Because Noya Inouye was, was just a step above in every, or multiple steps above, excuse me, in every aspect of this game of boxing. IQ, Noya was just sublime. Even, even with the jab, the one thing that I was thinking, okay, this could be a legitimate concern, or the biggest concern, Noya's ability to get around the jab of Fulton. It turned out that, in a way, out-jabbed Fulton. 
Anyway was the one that was controlling with his jab. Anyway was the one that was controlling range and distance, being the smaller man. Despite having somebody who religiously, his best attribute was being able to keep every opponent at the end of his jab and, and use the ring to never be within range. In and out, in and out. Do the hokey pokey like I, get, I said in my breakdown. That was his bread and butter. And it was a legitimate way that could, could have potentially won the fight. And with that, it got completely flipped on his head. Noya beat Stephen Fulton at his own boxing game. People are lawed over the power. We lawed over his ability to just knock people out. We lawed over his ability to break down folks. And he did just that. He knocked out Stephen Fulton. He broke him down just like I said. And just like he's done with every other, most every other opponent that he's faced in his career. But the one thing that everybody overlooked was the fact that he, was, he, he had the ability not to beat him with his own game plan, but to beat Stephen Fulton with Stephen Fulton's best weapons, Stephen Fulton's best fighting style. Fighting on the outside, darting in and out, using a, a sharp jab both to the head and to the body, and keeping Stephen Fulton at the end of his range. The very game plan that I said Fulton was going to use against Inouye, Inouye used against Fulton. That is the brother, brother. You want to see, there's a reason why I call this man so great. You got to understand, it's one thing to beat somebody with your own style, but to beat them with their own style and then finish the fight in your own style and being able to switch between the two just like that as the fight went on, brother, this is a different animal than we've seen not in in, 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 in in a long time. In a long time. This is something incredible. This is something stupid. This is stupid. And I don't use that often. This is stupid what we're seeing from anyway. This is absolutely stupid. He did everything I said that he needed to do and more. This man, do you want to know why Fulton wasn't able to actively do anything in the ring? It's because of two things. Well, three. One, what I said. In a way, beat Fulton at his own game, which is something I didn't think was going to happen, even though I said he was going to beat him. I said he was going to break him down, slip, move, duck, dive, while coming forward, and he did that. But like I said, like I just said previously, he ended up being the guy that was winning the outside and mid-range battle with the jab. To the point that Fulton wasn't able to be the one to connect. Fulton couldn't get the range right. Fulton couldn't couldn't cross the threshold. And anyway, was always safe. That's one. That's reason one why he won this fight. Reason two is because of the fact that the presence of Noya anyway is exactly, exactly what I thought it was. I've said this in the past. Mike Tyson had an aura that made people forget the game plans that they had. George Foreman. Had that. Joe Frazier had that. De Roberto Duran had that. Marvin Hagler had that. When they step into the ring, the sheer presence of them being there messes up everything that you want to do. I said it, and maybe people didn't believe it. If you watch this fight, you better believe me now. And you better believe that's what anyways got in him. If anybody watches One Piece, any of my anime fans out there, if anybody watches One Piece and you got Conqueror's Hockey, 
if you know that, that means essentially the will of you as a person is so strong that if you aren't on the level or at least close to that level in the One Piece show, in the One Piece universe, if you have Conqueror's Hockey and you and somebody around you doesn't have that same strong will as you or at least something similar and substantial enough, you're going to fall out. You literally cannot stand under the weight of their will and presence. That's what Noah in a way has. That's what Foreman had. Durant, Hagler, Frazier, Joe Lewis, Sugar Ray Robinson. These dominant Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray Leonard as well. And all the four kings, if we're being perfectly honest. The art of intimidation is such a prevalent thing that many boxers don't have right now. Very few do. It should be very few. Because everybody can't be like that. There might have been more in the past, but even still, it was a very select few that had that ability. Noy is one of the few that got it today. One of the few. I mean incredibly few. Wilder, because of his power, he has it. Usyk doesn't have it, even though he's just an out-and-out better boxer than everybody in the heavyweight division. Fury, he doesn't have it, even with how good he is. He doesn't have it. Crawford has it. Spence has it. And Noya has it. And Javante Davis has it. Those four today have that level of intimidation that will make you forget all means. But the difference between those and potentially the difference between all of them and Noah anyway is the fact that it's not just power like with somebody like Wilder and like with somebody like a, a to a degree like a Javante Tank Davis again nothing against Tank he's got it he's got that intimidation power but it's that but or his, the intimidation ability and the presence he has that Absolutely. Crawford and Spence, they have that. But unlike, actually, let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase the initial statement. Excuse me. My goodness. Oh, this whole fight got me in him. Unlike somebody like a Wilder and more akin to somebody like a Spence or like a Crawford and Javante Davis. In a way, it has that presence because it's a more well-rounded, complete, dominant person. Spent Crawford is somebody who is incredibly adept and is so unique. And he's so understanding of the, of the way, of the fundamental of boxing. He can break the rules and it works. Tank, same thing, coupled with incredible amounts of power. Spence is more so high motor and the, the presence of this brother will not stop for anything. He still has the, 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 the technical ability, don't get me wrong, but the presence comes from more so, at least in my opinion, the motor and bludgeoning power and the consistent work rate that he's going to bring that you know you won't be able to stop. And he's like, oh my gosh. I know what he's going to do. 
Even if I may be better at him in one aspect, I can't do anything. Because he's going to do what he wants to do in his style. David Benavidez says that same thing. And so, yeah, I'll put David Benavidez in that same rank. And so if you got Wilder, Spence, and Benavidez, that's more so power, work rate, and just you can't stop what I'm going to do, irregardless. But with Crawford, Tank, and Inouye, and to a degree an early Canelo, or, or, or a more in-prime Canelo. The reason why it's so different in the presence of that fighter with Inouye, and people cut from that cloth, it's not any better, it's just different. It's the fact that their presence, Inouye's presence, not only comes from the power, and you can't stop what they're going to do, it's the fact that you don't know what they're going to do. You know what Spence is going to do. You know what Benavidez is going to do. And you know what Wilder's going to do. And you know you can't stop it. But with Inouye, you don't know how he's going to beat you. You just know you can't stop it. It's not like a situation where you got a train coming and there's no way you can get off the track. And there's no way you can stop the train. It's the fact that you're stuck on the track and you know the train's coming, but you don't know where. You don't know where. Because it can come from the side, it can come from the front, it can come at an angle, it can come from behind you, it can come from any different direction. And there's no way for you to prep for it. You can at least do something with Spence, and it'll still be futile. But with Noya anyway, Tank Davis, and with what I've seen from Terrence Crawford, and early Canelo, they could beat you and Noya beats you from any different framework. Doesn't matter. And he will still be unstoppable. You can train for him one way. And he will beat you just as dominantly a completely different way. It's incredible. It's incredible. Now, I'm not here to say one's better or one's worse in terms of what the presence is. I'm just saying... I'm just saying, in terms of describing the presence, that's what makes Noya different from, a, from the rest of the world and from the very few that have that presence about them. You step in the ring with them, you don't know how to react because there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do because you can't prepare for them. You, they can beat you any way they feel like. And they know it and you know it. So you can you when once you step into the ring, you don't know what you're gonna get. Anyway, it could have been uber aggressive. Anyway, it could have been an outboxer. Anyway, it could have been incredibly defensive. And either way, shape, or form, Fulton wouldn't have had a chance. Fulton wouldn't have had a chance. It boggles my mind just how dominant his ability to control every aspect of the game in terms of knowing anyway. It's insane. It's insane. Everything is to perfection. Nobody punches like Noah in a way. Nobody. Nobody's as snappy, sharp, technically flawless. Nobody in the world is like him. 
Defensively, incredible. Incredible. Offensively, varied beyond belief. And the reason why Fulton was so enamored, or rather so seemingly shell-shocked, is because of the fact that in a way took away exactly what Fulton's only means of winning was. He was able to constantly get on the inside and jump back out and control distance before Fulton could react, nullifying his speed. When Fulton tried to move around the ring, he cut it off and would punch where he was going so that Fulton wouldn't be able to actively use the ring as a safety net, as a means of escape. It was only a means to potentially get caught. And then when he would try to use stepping in angles, in a way would cut him off and react to what Fulton was going to do before he could do it. So he had no choice but to stand in the middle and try to get some level of offense going because every other means of attack that Fulton wanted to do, he couldn't do. He wanted to be the guy to be, again, the counterpuncher. He was getting counterpunched. He couldn't be the counterpuncher. He couldn't be the guy that went off the back foot. So what happened? He tried to go on the front foot and then kept getting hurt, hit more and more and more. The only time that you actually got some offense going was when was when Inouye got too confident and let his fundamentals go to the wayside in order to open up with an incredibly varied offense. And then when he got caught a couple of times, he would go right back to fundamentals and Stick them with simple, effective shots that Fulton couldn't stop. Go back to what he considers basics, which are incredibly technical for everybody else in the boxing world. But that was the only time that Fulton was able to have success. Only time. With that being the case, the only thing that Fulton was able to do was stand in the center if he had any hope. If he had any hope. Because his only recourse was to do what Paul Butler did. And everybody said Paul Butler was nothing. Because look at, look at, he didn't even try to fight Fulton. No. He couldn't do anything to Fulton. He tried to survive because there was no other means of actually winning. So just ride it out. And win. Or survive. And just get through it. And don't get knocked out. Because I can't win. Fulton, that was his only other means of attack. Outside of, well, if we're here, let me at least do what's been having the most success, even though I'm still getting utterly dominated, which is standing in the pocket. Commentators said it best, like I said on the show. Fulton was more defensive than they've ever seen him in his entire career, and he's known as a defensive counterpuncher, a conservative counterpuncher, who can throw a lot of flurries when required, and is willing to get into a firefight with somebody. But anyway, cut that firefight off the second he threw that first straight right in. Through the guard. Through the block of folk. Cut that off entirely. And then cut off the ring. And then cut off the outside. And then cut off the mid-range. And then cut off the inside. It was a systematic dismantling of everything that Fulton wanted to do to the point that you know, Fulton could not do anything but stand in the center because there was no other recourse to actually be successful. 
People say, why wasn't he moving? He couldn't move. He literally destroyed every means of offense or game plan that Fulton even attempted to do within the first four rounds. Within the first four rounds, he cut every single game plan that Fulton tried to do and adapt to. Because like we said, Fulton's going to be the guy to adapt. And he couldn't. He couldn't. We saw him trying, and he couldn't do it. Tried to be conservative and, and wait for counter punches, or wait for opportunities to counter. No, anyway, was too fast for him to be able to react and consistently guard and block. Tried to come forward and be more of an aggressor. He got caught every single time. He would even try to come in with, with jabs to the body himself or step in with his own jab to the head like Noya was doing early on. He would get countered flush with a jab as anyway would slip like something out the Matrix or get caught with a check hook because he lunged too reckless. And then he would try to use his jab in rapid fire succession and changing levels in any way would simply duck and step without just with the greatest of ease. Round by round, punch by punch, anyway made Fulton look basic. And Fulton is a world-class fighter. He made him look like an average boxer. And only greats do that. Only greats do that. And the third reason why Inouye was able to be so successful in this fight is because even though we laud his power, we laud his speed, we laud his technical perfection in every aspect of the game, the one thing that people don't understand is his greatest ability or his second greatest ability that makes one of the biggest impacts in every single fight, distance control. Nobody in boxing, in my eyes, has the ability to judge distance and range and constantly stay safe while always understanding when he's able to attack like New York anyway. It's like clockwork. As the smaller man against a guy with a longer reach and taller, he made Fulton look like he was the infighter because every time Fulton tried to come in, it looked like he was just on the tip of his nose. Just out of the range. Just out of the circle. Fulton looked like the one that was out of sorts. Trying to find range. In a way was just constantly. He was, he was there when he wasn't. Like with Shakur Stevenson. Who doesn't who takes half steps. Micro steps. And just gets out of range. And barely has to pull back. Barely has to move his head. Because he gets it so well. That's what Inouye has as in his arsenal as well. And it's such a high caliber just understanding of where he is, where his opponent is, and where he can and cannot hit you. It's, it's unreal. It's almost surreal. Dare I say supernatural? It looks so easy. And this is against a brother a, a literal brother <laughs> who we laud over his ability to do that exact same thing. Again, beating him at his own game. 
and doing it better than maybe anybody else in box. Maybe anybody else in box. In a way, is the most complete fighter in the game. In a way, just dominated and shut every critic up that said he had never fought anybody. In a way, just proved that every win that he's had is legitimate. In a way, just proved that the Donito Donito Donaire fight everybody was saying was who was old, washed, and out of sorts. That ain't a real win because he was over the hump. Didn't realize that Donaire in that Super Series was on a resurgence in his career and looked like the Donaire of old. Because he looked like the Donaire of old, if it wasn't for Noy anyway being in that Super Series, he would have been a champion again. He would have won. And like I said previously, in the full show, breaking down this fight, the experience that Inoue gained from Nonito Donaire is, again, Hall of Fame level because of the Hall of Famer that he was facing, who fought as if he was back in his prime in that fight. And because that's the case, the experience he gained is something that Fulton had never learned. And had never understood to that degree yet. He wasn't there yet. Regardless of anybody that Fulton had faced, the best competition amongst the two resumes was Donaire. And Donaire is one of the greatest we've seen in history. Bonafide first ballot Hall of Famer. And Noya fought him when he had turned back the clock, coupled with all the experience that he had in that first fight. And he still pulled it out. And he learned so much from that fight that he evolved him into the Noya in a way that we see now. Evolved him into a complete monster that we see today. The tricks of the trade that he learned from that are skills that Fulton had never learned. And are skills that many people in the division, in divisions, excuse me, haven't learned yet. So we validate that win. We validate every other win. We validate this win as a legitimate cornerstone. And what we said, and like I said leading up to this, the greatness of Noah Inouye is on display to a point that we are seeing potentially the start of a career path that we thought would never happen since Manny Pacquiao. This man is now a four-division champion, undefeated, Knockouts left, right, and center against top competition. Knockouts against people that have never been knocked out before, like Stephen Fulton. Beating them so soundly, people are now questioning how good Fulton was and are now calling Fulton a fraud. When they were calling in the way a fraud, previously. All of that is, is real. This man is the truth. This man brings me to my next and final point of the show. Where is Noya in a way right now, pound for pound? And that answer is he is the pound for pound. Number one in the world. This performance solidified him as the best boxer in the world. And regardless of what happens on Saturday. He will still be the best boxer in the world. I said that 
I said previously that he would that he'll be the best fighter at least until we see the result of Stephen, of of Crawford Spence until that result. That's what I said. What I didn't think was going to happen was it was going to be this dominant of a performance. Having somebody like Fulton land only 47 punches the entire time. The entire fight. Dominating to, to the point that he look, makes Fulton look like an amateur. Or at most like an average boxer. Like Paul Butler did in that fight. To make somebody like Fulton look like Paul Butler completely outclassed to where he's taunting as the fight's going on in the third round, second or third round. He is the best fighter in the world. And there is no question. And the reason why I say that is because his resume backs it up. His talent backs it up. And now globally, the name recognition backs it up fully. Because if anybody has anything, had, any, had anything to say before, there's nothing they can say now. There's nothing they can say now about him and his legacy, about him and his career. Nothing. That was the gripe. He had never fought anybody, even though they just kept stupidly overlooking Donaire. Stupidly overlooking all the other, again, the champs that he beat at 108, becoming undisputed at Super Bantamweight, making every single, most Almost every single fighter look like a basic boxer in route to, to clearing out the entire division, which is a actually strong division, but you don't watch it, so you don't care. Now he's got all of that on his resume, coupled with being undefeated, coupled with being a powerhouse, coupled with now fighting, beating Stephen Fulton, conquering four weight classes. With a name that was many, many people were saying should be on the pound for pound top ten list. Oh yes, he should be number one. He should be number one. He should be number one. Because the resume is better than if we're being honest. The resume looks better than Spence and Crawford. Both of them. Talent just as good. Historical dominance going through four divisions. And his actual performances in those fights are, are on average have been so far and away above the caliber of talent. Even though the caliber of talent he's been facing has been quality talent. Oh, absolutely. He deserves to be number one. If we don't think so, at least he should be number two. But no light, no, no lower than two. And if we're being perfectly honest, he should be 1A. The winner of Spence and Crawford should be 1A to Noya Inouye. 1A or two. And in my book, they're fighting for second place. Because I wasn't expecting this level of dominance against somebody like Stephen Fulton. I wasn't expecting this. I was expecting a good fight that he was going to win by knockout. But it was going to be, you know, it was going to be, oh, okay, yeah. Noya's going to be Noya. I wasn't expecting one of the best performances that we've ever seen.
from Norway anyway at this point in his career. I guess a cat who is one of the best boxers at this point in his career. And doing it by beating him as a boxer, not as a power puncher, beating him as a boxer. In the better, in what everybody was saying was the better boxer's prime in Stephen Fulton. No. This solidified he's the best in the world. Absolutely. If everybody was at 122 and they tried to fight him, Noyes beating all of them. Noyes beating everybody. If every boxer today was at 122 and was scaled to that weight, or if he was scaled to their weight, he's beaten. All of them. All of them. That's no disrespect to anybody. That's no disrespect to Crawford and Spence. It's not. But I'm not going to sit back here and ignore the dominance that we just witnessed on top of the significance, on top of the history. All of that combined. Your production in the ring. Your, excuse me, your actual talent. One, your production in the ring. And then your resume are what dictate for me what should be pound for pound. How good, the, 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 amount, the skills that you have, your production inside the ring with said skills and historically what you've done in your career, who you fought and the accolades you accomplished. All of that gets melded into what pound for, who should be pound for pound. All of that. It's a slippery slope, but that's how I do it. And right now, it's not looking like anybody, especially with a performance like this to cap it off. There is nobody better than Noah anyway right now. 1A and 1B can be for whoever, can, whoever wins Spence and Crawford. Over the weekend. That's fine. And I'm going to have my breakdown over that this week. Y'all best believe that. But that's all well and good. But 1A and 1B. Are where you put in a way. And the winner of whoever wins Spence and Crawford. If you want to put him too. You better have a very compelling argument. And I mean very compelling argument. But I would. I can't put him at two. I can't put in a way at two. He, he's either number one or number one. There's no two for me with this type of, of performance. Because I know what Stephen Fulton is and I know what the rest of his resume is. All of it is quality, top to bottom. And he made them look like children. He made Stephen Fulton look like he was a... Multiple steps below. And I'm talking borderline. No, no, not borderline amateur. Excuse me. What did I say before? Average. Incredibly average. An average boxer. That's what he made him look like. Just an outright domination in every sense of the word. No stone unturned. Poise for days. Presence like no other. Power like no other. Boxing IQ like no other. 
every conceivable metric of skill he's got. His production in the ring matches that of his skill. His dominance has surpassed every opponent that he's been in the ring with tenfold. Every single opponent. Yes, I know he had fighter of the year with Donaire. Absolutely, Donaire came to play. The second time they fought, tenfold. Usurped him. So every opponent he's faced, he is outclassed tenfold. There's nothing that I see to put him off that pedestal of being pound for pound number one. Not even the result of this fight. Unless we see one fighter, dumb, and I mean dominate, to kingdom come. I'm talking about makes one look like a chump level domination in the Spence Crawford fight. Uh-uh. No. There's no way. Because those two are seen as on each other's level. They have a competitive fight that's phenomenal. Many people were saying that Stephen Fulton the best super bantamweight in the world, undeniably, in Inouye's first fight, was going to be too big, too fast, too strong, and be a better boxer. That's what was the notion around the boxing sphere. Maybe it was because Fulton fans were just vocal. Maybe it's because that's what people, that's what the majority of the public believe. Either way, that was the noise. Unequivocally, un that was the noise. And because that was the noise, and he made him look like he looked, he made Fulton look so inferior like he did when they were seen as this is his toughest test, even though Donaire was his actual toughest test, this was his toughest test in terms of athleticism and IQ combined into a person. And he made him look so inferior to him? No. That's, that's domination on a different scale. On a different scale. Tank and Ryan, when they fought, it was clear who was better. That gap didn't look as big as this gap. If you want to put this win into perspective, that gap between Tank and Ryan didn't look as close or didn't look nearly as far apart as Fulton versus Inouye. That's the perspective lens you have to put this into. The domination of Javante Davis didn't look up, up on Ryan Garcia, didn't look nearly as impressive as the domination, nor as egregious as the domination that Inouye just put on Stephen Fulton. Nowhere close. It wasn't close. It wasn't close. Ryan Garcia at least had some moments where, okay, he might have won two rounds. Might have. Three rounds, maybe even three. And it was like, oh, wait a minute, he's adjusting and he's finding some success. This could turn into something. That's at least what you were getting in the Tank versus Ryan fight. This fight, there was nothing. Even when Fulton had success with the right hand, 
Inouye still won the round. There was a round that Inouye got outlanded 13 to 8. It might have been round 7. Fulton's best round between rounds 5 and round, it was round 5 and round 7. Those were Fulton's two best rounds. Round 7 was definitively Fulton's best round of the entirety of the fight. Fulton outlanded him 13 to 8, if I remember correctly. Per copy box. And still, anyway, won that round. That's how, no, legitimately, it could be said that anyway still won that round. Because despite him landing a couple right hands and more jabs, every single punch that anyway landed was so much more impactful, impressionable, and legitimately momentum shifting. And still, even with him being outlanded, Inoue controlled the entire round. The entire round. So it's a, you can make an argument that Fulton didn't win one single round against Noe Inoue. And if he did win one, it was out of more so, yeah, we'll give it to him just because. That's domination on a different scale. And that's against somebody that was supposed to be on Noya's level. Again, Divine Garcia, tank fight, that domination wasn't as bad as this. This just looked on in a different sphere, a different atmosphere entirely. Entirely. We at least saw some things that, okay, Ryan Garcia, hey, there's something there that in the future could potentially be utilized once you bring it out of you. There's nothing Fulton can do. after the, There's no hope for Fulton against Inouye after this performance. There was no hope that I have for Fulton in terms of you can you, maybe you can come back and beat him if they rematch. No hope whatsoever. No hope. Maybe this can be a closer fight if they rematch. No hope. None whatsoever. I at least said this about Ryan Garcia if they fought again. After he improves, there's no way I see Fulton being able to improve and make this competitive. None whatsoever. It would be the exact same result every single time. If not worse, if it Fulton fought him again. That's how dominant he was. There's nothing that Fulton could do and, and can do currently to get to the level of Noya anyway. Nothing. And I rarely say that about people. But for the rest of his career, there is nothing Fulton can do to be able to actively be better or compete with Noya anyway. That's how much of a level or that's how much of an elevated level that Noya anyway was against him. And that was supposed to be his toughest test. That was, in many people's eyes, his toughest test. That was, in many people's eyes, the fight they gave him the credit if he does something against this guy, okay, yeah, I'm going to believe him. He did it. And in a more dominant fashion than even I imagined. Even with what I outlined, I didn't, I didn't expect it to be like this just lopsided against somebody that I respect as highly as Stephen Fulton. Nah. And Stephen Fulton isn't a bum. Stephen Fulton isn't horrible. Stephen Fulton isn't falling off the face of the earth. Stephen Fulton is not a washed fighter. Stephen Fulton is a quality name. 
and a quality champion that is now going to be put on the notch of Noya Inouye when we look back on his career and say, man, that was one of the better fighters of that era that Noya Inouye was able to conquer and overcome. Like I said in the last episode, like I said in my prediction, like I said in the effect on their legacies, the quality fighter that gives more credit to the history-making career of Noya Inouye. There's no shame in losing. None. No shame whatsoever. I would love to see Fulton again and see how he evolves after this win. Or excuse me, after this loss. I would love to see how, how he evolves after this loss. Absolutely. Absolutely, I would love to see that. But, even with that, what I still said previously stands. There's nothing he can do to compete with Noah anyway. And this win, now in the public eye, solidifies Noah anyway as one of the best fighters in the world. Because now it's a name that all of you all pay attention to. That everybody recognizes now. There's no hype job. There's no, he's been built up by top rank. There's no promoters just throwing haphazard fighters at. No, no, no. This man has won 17 fights by KO. Championship fights by KO. Four, 21 fights counting this fight. Were championship fights. Do you understand that? 21 fights counting this fight. Were championship fights for Noah anyway. And he's undefeated. There's levels. There are there's levels to this game. And Noah anyway has reached the top. And he is definitively the best in the world. I'm not, there's nothing that can change my mind now. Nothing. No performance. Outside of an equal domination by either Spencer Crawford, there is none. Usyk's performance, both at cruiserweight and at heavyweight, phenomenal. Not better. Not better. Javante Davis, not better. Crawford and Spence, uh, unless they just dominate one another and make either one, unless they make one another look like absolute fodder, no. Absolutely not. And I'm talking about to the point that many people were saying that many people asked, do they belong in the ring against this guy? Unless they dominate like that when they fight each other, no. It's going to be Agler Hearns. It's going to be Roberto Duran. Uh, Tommy, uh, uh, Tommy Hearns, or, or or any of that combination of the four kings, it's going to be a war. It's going to be an absolute war, but it's not going to be an outright outclassing of somebody on the same level. Mm -mm, no, this this is different. This is different. This is a different cat. This is a different animal. This is a different monster. Benavide, David Benavidez is called the monster, and rightfully so. He's not Noya in a way. Noya in a way 
is a beast unlike we've seen in a couple generations of boxing. It's, it's, it's an anomaly like no other. It's, it is a absolute, it's, it's a delight to watch him just outclass people. It's a delight. I don't say that to be mean. I say that because we marvel. I marvel at the sheer and outright ability to usurp any expectation of what I think he's going to do in a given fight. That I'm still in shock. And dominate even more than I expect on a consistent basis. When we say somebody's going to win, we think they're going to win. We it's, it's rare that you see somebody outclass beyond your expectations consistently. It's rare. It's so rare. It's so rare. It's so rare. That's what Noah anyway is. Being able to jab to the body, jab to the head, consistently be able to win at any range. Master at every range. The ability to intercept and counterpunch and interrupt you with his own punch. Insane. Always balanced. Always poised. Always in position to strike. Always safe. Never off balance. Never out of control. Arguably the best finisher in boxing today. There's nothing... One of the best defensive fighters today. One of the smartest fighters today. There's nothing that he, he lacks. There's nothing he lacks. He's got a chin. He's tough. He's durable. I don't believe he's been knocked down. If my, if my memory serves me correct. He's dominance unlike we've seen for very few. It's, it's, it's a sight to behold. Don't be saying he needs to fight Tank. Don't be saying he needs to fight Loma and all this stuff. Pump the brakes. Let him attempt to become undisputed, which I think he will. And become the first two-division undisputed champion of modern era. Let him accomplish that. Let him move up then to 126. Or move up to, 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 to well, I believe it's what, flyweight? Let him move up. Let the career take its course. Don't be saying he needs to fight Canelo at 168 or Tank at 135, 137. Ryan Garcia at 140. No, no, no. Bump all that. That's stupid. It's ignorant. It's not how boxing works. Let the career play out. Let him gradually fill up, dominate, fill into the division, and then move up. Win, fill into the division, dominate, and then move up. Let that be the course of his career. Because that's what he's been doing. And he's been chasing greatness this whole time. Chasing greatness this entire time. On a level that few people are doing. On a level maybe only rivaled by Canelo. Yeah. He's been, a, he's been conquering divisions like Canelo Alvarez. And Canelo's 
the reason why he was considered pound for pound number one at one point in time is because he kept on pushing himself consistently. That's what Noya's doing, but at an even more dominant pace and doing it in a fashion relative to his weight class that shouldn't be possible, that shouldn't be feasible, that shouldn't be apparent. It shouldn't be. We've only seen this from somebody like Pacquiao going from 198 to 147, carrying his power almost all the way through. You've only seen that from him, to my knowledge, in the modern era. Going back, we've seen other boxers do it as well. Yes, we have. But in the modern era, it's a rare sight because it takes a rare talent. Took a rare talent back then in the 60s, 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, shoot, 40s and 30s. We can go, we can even go back to the 20s if you want. Took special fighters to do that back then. Take special fighters to do that now. Incredibly special fighters to do that now. And he's wonderful. And it's the fact that this cat is halfway to Manny Pacquiao. Being a champion, he's a champion for. Pac was a champion, eight. Three division champ is, impre- is incredible. Four division champ, that's a different animal. Five is going stupid. Six, this brother's a bona fide Hall of Famer. If this cat gets to five and up, my goodness, these Pacquiao comparisons may be closer than we actually think. And we could be seeing, like I've said before, one of the greatest boxers in the history of the sport unfolding directly in front of our eyes. Not just in weight class, not just as an all-time great for the sake of being an all-time great. I'm talking about this could be a fighter that we're talking about as one of the top 10 best to ever do it. As lofty as that sounds. Because he's accomplishing things against opponents that are incredible and dominating to such a degree, to such an extent, that it truly does make you feel He's from a different planet. He consistently make you feel, he consistently makes it look like the opponent doesn't belong in the ring. He consistently makes opponents that are great look basic. That's difficult. That's so difficult. That's so difficult to dominate to make it look like somebody doesn't belong at all. That's what he's doing. Since that's what he's doing, we can't help but now look at this and say we are witnessing greatness on a scale that is incredibly rare. That people have, fans, pundits, and other boxers have died before they saw something like this come along again. That's what we're experiencing right now. It's rare Beyond belief. This is a once in a blue moon type of fighter. This is a once in a generation type fighter. This is incredible. This is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And now again, 
with all that being said, we are still unbiased here. Just like I'm unbiased on the neutral corner. On ESPN. <laughs> in my podcast on Spotify. But with... We, we, if it changes and he falls by the wayside, we call it. If he gets relegated to a position to where now we we, we have to reevaluate him, we're going to reevaluate. But as of right now, his production hasn't failed the expectation. If anything, it's, it has sped past what we thought was going to be achieved at this point in time. It has. And because that's the case, we have to look and say, because he's moving at this type of rate and being this dominant this quickly and this overbearingly, over, excuse me, not overbearingly, and being this overwhelmingly above all his competition, we have to call it like we see it. There is a number one, there's a new number one in town across the board. And it should be Noya anyway. Irregardless of what happens on Saturday night. That's my opinion. If it's not yours, hey, that's fine. But that's what I can see as of right now. Because this is an animal that I didn't think we were going to see. We're living in what, we're, we're reliving the prime Manny Pacquiao. At least that's that, that, that same trajectory. Mind you, I was around in the later stages. I got around into the sport in the later stages of it. When he was fighting Adrian Broner, Keith Thurman, late in his career. Jeff Horn, when he should have won and when he, when he lost, even though he dominated that fight from Billy the Post. And Jeff Horn was never actively a great fighter in the first place. That was supposed to be a show of just first fight on ESPN in, what, a decade plus? On just ESPN cable network? Instead of not pay-per-view. That was what that was to celebrate in Australia. Big event, big fighter, and a fighter that was gonna come to fight, but was gonna be outclassed in every way, shape, or form, which he was. But Australian Australian judges did rob him. It's not me that's not me being that's not me, that's not some conspiracy theory. You watch the fight and you hear the scores, they are they are as different as night and day. It makes no sense. One of the worst robberies of modern-day boxing. Gave Manny Pacquiao a loss that he didn't deserve at all. It should have been that we got Pacquiao versus Crawford instead of Jeff Horn versus Crawford. In Crawford's prime. And in Pacquiao's still relatively great ability. That's the truth. But we're seeing right now, essentially, not a mirror image, but a semblance of what we experienced when Pacquiao was at his prime. And my goodness, it's a sight to behold. And I can't wait to see what happens next. Be along for the ride and believe in Inouye. The monster is the truth, the monster is real, and the monster is here. And the monster, Noah Inouye, is the best boxer in the world. Point blank, period. Number one, pound for pound. There is no question now. At least in my opinion. With that being said, this has been another episode 
of the Welch Report. I have been so happy to be back with you over here. This is phenomenal. Trust and believe we still got the breakdown of Crawford versus Spence coming up. I know I already did it in the past, so I'm going to do it again to get my opinions and thoughts on what's going to happen this past weekend. We just got one half of the best weekend this year, and one of the, or, or excuse me, one of the best weeks this year in boxing, and maybe one of the best weeks in boxing history with Noe versus Crawford, now uh, with Inouye versus Fulton, now we get the biggest fight of the year, Spence versus Crawford coming down the pike this weekend. On the 29th, my goodness, I can't wait. I'm going to be right here to cover it all. I've been Jean-Luc Welch. You've been beautiful. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Peace and love. We are out of here. Don't forget to watch the Neutral Corner or listen to the Neutral Corner.